Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Featuring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. <laughs> I am neither one of those two people. Oh, Boss Lashley. And we're going to kick off today. First of all, uh, PIT Rachel was like, okay, we're going live. And I was like, right now? <laughs> My head was in something else, altogether different. We were talking about the passion of the Christ. So it was Jesus in Hollywood and how he doesn't care what people think and how they try and shut him down if he's always number one. And if nobody gives him permission because he's God, he doesn't need it, he's still going to be number one. And we were talking about how the theater in 2004, well, 2003 leading up to it as well, Mel Gibson couldn't get theaters to play Passion of the Christ. Do you all remember that? And it was like limited this, and it wasn't in English, and who's going to come see it? And, of course, it made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars And what I appreciate about that is us seeing that when God wants something, nobody can stop it. Now, this is Bible. This is what they said about him after he resurrected and ascended. And it was like, this is my own vernacular on this, okay? What is this popping up? And who and these Christians are causing all this drama? And in the end, it was determined, well, this one popped up and phased out, and this one, and they phased out. And if it's, if it's not God, it can't last. And if it is him, it can't be stopped. That hasn't changed about Jesus. You understand this is how it has always been with him from right after his ascension until now. People can try and shut him down, shut the people down who represent him. But if he is going to have something and if he wants something, it's going to happen. I was driving in today thinking about our country and the prophecies and everything else, and the Lord said, look, what I said stands. Now, I, I wasn't even in doubt, but he just was making a statement. What I said stands. Stand and see. Oh, wait and see. Having done all the stand, stand therefore. Now we see why there are so many passages that talk about us standing, withstanding, Pushing back. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. And we have been in the passive pasture of Christianity so long. Just grazing. We're just grazing. These teeth are just for grazing. Just going to snack and do whatever. And now it's time to take out some blades. It's time to take out some weapons of warfare, some swords, and get down to business. And we are like... In the the body of Christ, we are just like we are in this country. We have not had war on our ground in so long that those of us who have been raised in it, African-Americans, life has been so good, even though we can say things are so bad for us as black people. We've addressed this on this broadcast many times compared to what bad used to be. Because, see, bad is always going to be. And it doesn't matter what color you are. We act like... Because we have the, the, they have the phrase white privilege. We act like everybody who has white skin is rich, loaded, driving a late model luxury car. We, like, this is the programming of injustice when, (laughs) when you meet the population 
It's the top what? One percent? The one percenters? Two percent of them making it. And everybody else is trying to get by in various degrees. And so this is why we must desire the truth. So when God wants something, it doesn't matter who doesn't agree. It doesn't matter who stands in his way. As far as he's concerned, you've just wasted a whole lot of money. You've wasted a whole lot of time. You've wasted a whole lot of things because he is still going to have his way no matter what. And I'll segue into telling you, then on Monday, we're starting a self-study in Price University called Exploring Prophecy and the Prophetic, Learning to Hear God's Voice. I encourage you to visit www.price.university. The site has changed a while ago, price.university, not priceuniversity.org, price.university. There's no dot after university, anything. And enroll in that class. It's a self-study. It's much lighter in workload. Now, let me tell you something about our self-study. Okay. <laughs> it's time that everybody in the studio is like, yeah, tell them this. Tell them this. There's a hand. People are speaking in tongues right here, talking in tongues. Our self-studies are like one lecture a week and one homework assignment. At least that's what they're supposed to be, right? We will have, I mean, so many people enroll. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then so many people quit because <laughs> it's a real class. That one real lecture and that one real assignment, this isn't Bible study. This isn't somebody saying, so how do you feel about what the speaker just said? So I'm telling you now, if you are not used to engaging your brain, your spirit, your mind, the spirit of your mind, the mind of your spirit, <laughs> your heart, your soul, your whole self into anything, pray up before you do this so you can shift yourself. This is not Bible study. This is not glorified discussion. This is not any of those things. A self-study is by no means has the weight of the credit, the heavier weighted classes in Price U. Yes, it gets heavier than this. Uh, but we are conditioned to think that if it's God, and for sure, if it's the prophetic, I was talking to P.I.T. Rachel's mom, hilarious conversation we had Friday, and she said, i got to go home and get in my praise and worship class and work. That was just a free class. See, the free class, like the free clinic, you still get treatment. Right. It's real. You're just not paying for it, but it's still real. It's not like fake. And so she said, because, I mean, this class was free, but I feel like I paid a whole lot of money. <laughs> and so when we first rolled out the prophetic classes a couple of years ago, and we launched this whole idea, all, I mean, 56 people signed up, one class, blah, 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 blah. and in the end, like 12 okay. got the certificate, maybe 20. And people said, oh, I mean, I didn't know there was going to be assignments. Oh, I didn't really. I just wanted the information. See, this is why the body of Christ is a mess right now. We just want to be informed. We don't want to be transformed. But the word talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the whole work is to renew, to transform you, to renew that mind, to turn it back into what God created, at least here. This is what the homework does. And so that thing hits you, whoop, it hits your flesh. It hits that spirit of sloth. Yes. A piece of pride jumps out. 
Who are you to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about? Why did you come to school if you knew what you were talking about? This is why you go to school. This is why. And so I want to encourage you to enroll, but I want to let you know. This will not be a, I listen to the lecture driving home from work. And I'm going to sit down the night before the assignment is due and then give my instructor all kinds of excuses for why I didn't get this one assignment done this week. So don't do that because the answer is going to be no. Um, I'm just saying. So enroll in the self-study. Everything is important. So if you're somebody who is sitting there who is fussing about the prophetic institution is a mess, we just need to clean this up. Prophets need to be trained. Here's your training. But, see, we want training to be prophecy circles where we just prophesy, 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 and then agree with each other on what we said. Nobody challenge anybody because, ooh, they might challenge me and, and all these other things. No, we have got to do right by these offices. We have got to do right by our God. We have to do right by why he died. What he laid down his life for was not this mess. It wasn't. And so enroll at Price University, www.price.university, and change your life. Change your mind. I know people who have, Dr. Price is my apostle, my apostle, haven't taken one class that she offers. Go and get your ordination from someone else. And then talk about this is your covering. Now look, you can't say that you are insured by one company, but send your money somewhere else then wherever your money goes, that's who's insuring you. That's who's covering you. Now, we might be informing you. Yes, we'll pray for you. But understand that wherever you say your covering is, that's where you reside. Your address is your covering. Where do you live? This is, this is where my roof is with my name on it. This is where I attend. This is where I go. And that's where the things that, because you find out where your heart, your treasure, we know. It's tied together. And so you want to enroll in that class and challenge yourself. I know people who have gotten PhDs, and they're like, no, nah, I can't do Dr. Price. Mm -mm. I'm like, but you just got your second. Yeah, no, but see, this is different. Because we are used to just, what, regurgitating information. This is how we have, we have regurgitation profits. You just, you take it in, and then you just upchuck it back out. Whatever you heard so-and-so say, whatever you picked up on the wind of somebody's spirit, we don't know who, whatever wind was blowing by your prayer closet that day, that's the one that you're prophesying by. And just regurgitate, in this mantle, the prophet's office is not a regurgitation mantle. We brought it down to talking, so people think that's all there is. You must be converted, transformed, gutted, hard reset. Is there another theme we've been on around here to become the stronghold? You notice Dr. Price is teaching on stronghold now. We, went, we had to go through scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, pedigree, examine your spiritual DNA. We had to do all of that gut, gutted, gutted, and then gutted again, and then realize what we thought was gutting was just dry heath. <laughs> You were just heaving in your spirit. You thought God was gutting you and you were just heaving. And because it takes so much energy to heave nothing, my God, I don't know which is worse. 
it, dry heaves is worse because you're like all overdone, rolled out, sweating bullets, everything else, and nothing's come out. And you're exhausted. And you're still toxic. You're wiped out. And nothing has moved anywhere but you in the bathroom. And by the time it's time to really move things, you're like, I have no strength. And then here it comes. And so that gutting process, round one is just like warning shots. Like heaving is warning shots. We're about to blow. So you better get close to something. <laughs> and so you get there and you're like, ah, oh, and you just ran, dropped everything, probably broke a priceless bond on your way because you feel it coming and nothing. That is like round one of gutting, warning shots. God's like, I'm about to get you. That's people in your life telling you you have problems. That's the warning shots. I don't know. And why is everybody always picking on me? And he's like, I'm, I'm letting you know. I'm coming after that thing or those things. And then the next round, oh, oh, you feel a little something come up. You're like, oh, no, I think this is real. Because, see, when you get faked out by dry heaves, you don't always run the next time. Because you're like, see, the last two times I ran to the bathroom or whatever, and or got this big old can or something, and nothing. And then that one time you don't run is the time you run. And then it's all out there. And so that gutting process you talked about being gutted, Harvey said was, I think, before that. And, yeah, Harvey said was before that. That was kind of the beginning. And then you're gutted and re-gutted. And she said, some of you all think you're being gutted now. Do you remember her saying this? And you are not. You're just being prepped for surgery. <laughs> like when they tell you you have to fast. My God, let me never have to have a surgery, okay? I must eat. <laughs> Don't mess with me in my food now. Got a green drink right here. Don't mess with me and my food, all right? And so it's like, no. Then you have the pre-op. And you have to, when you have certain surgeries, you have to lose weight. You have to get your numbers up to a certain level before you can actually endure and survive and recover from the procedure. Some of us want God to just go in and deliver and yank it out of us, and we have no resources to survive the process. There are people who have been with us, they'll be here for a year, maybe two, and then God goes in and begins to empty out because he has to put a lot in. And so what, they, they take your blood, they check your panel, they run your panels, they do all these kind of things and say, we can't operate on you right now, even though you have a very serious situation because you won't survive surgery. Or you might survive the surgery, but you may not come out of anesthesia. Or you might come out of anesthesia, but it's going to take you nine months to halfway recover. And so we have to get your numbers up here. We have to do that. This is a concern. And there's a whole preparatory process involved before you have a major surgery. And deliverance can be, Elder Shea is like, my God, I can testify. And so, and so you have got to understand that before God gives you what you're asking for or desperately needing, he puts you through the paces of that prep. And you come in and you're evaluated. How you evaluate it by your leaders, by the people in your life, depends on your environment. It could be family, it could be colleagues, peers, whatever. And that's kind of like the check-in. You're, you're almost there. You're not even close. Have you been doing anything we told you? Well, no. I mean, we're going to have to postpone this procedure again. Let the record show. And that's how we play with God sometimes. 
He's like, I need you to go on a fast. I need you to cut off the television. I need you to change your friends. I need you to change location. Come on, come on, come on. Move here. I need you to not change your location. I need you. You're trying to run and you can't go. <laughs> I need you. I call Tulsa the boomerang city. People just leave. And come back. And some people it's five years. Some people it's 10, 15. And you're like, you back in Tulsa? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. And so we go. And so the longer you avoid the process, the longer it takes to get to your point of deliverance. And if you get there, the longer it takes to recover. There are people who have major surgery, bam, they bounce back. You're like, how in the, did you have? Yeah, you know, I bounced back. Why? Because a lot of times they, they were in shape or they took care of themselves. They did the prep work. They changed their diet. They did everything that they were supposed to do and then some. And then maintained it on the other side to ensure that what they just went through wasn't undone by their own and or taste buds. And so with, with us in this preparatory process and being ready to be used by God, he will tell us, do this, do that, do this, do that, no, no, no. or he'll send people. And if you have a serious calling, hello, he's going to send somebody really serious in your life to make sure you get it right and that you can't say, nobody ever told me. When you have... People like the general over here in your life that you ask God and you beg God for, and then they show up and step up, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just meant prophesy. <laughs> I just meant give me a good word. Hold on, hold on, honey, you're overstepping. Oh, then people are overstepping. People that you were saying all that, step heavy. You step heavy. It's tight, but it's right. Shots fired. <laughs> don't step on me. She said, don't step on me. Step heavy, but don't step on me. Okay, that's the truth. We said all those things. Flat line. We got the flat line ministry out here. Yeah, come on. Say it, say it. Say it to everybody, but don't. Who do you mean, me? You being judgmental. I, I used to feel encouraged until I came here. No, you didn't. You didn't. Let the advisement schedule show. You are not feeling encouraged. Let the prayer request record show your life was not all of that. And we convince ourselves that living in our own swill was somehow better than being exposed. Because, hey, at least I can turn off the lights and nobody can see. Life sank into high heaven. Listen, yesterday we were in our building. And I was like, what is this smell in the hallway? There is, this, I said, this piece of the hall stinks like trash. I said, and it smells like a dirty diaper. I'm thinking, what is this? So she says, because when you have the right people with you, they pick up on the clues. And you don't have to spoon feed them instructions every single day of the week. And so I said it's blessing because we had guests. I'm thinking, what is this smell? Everybody's walking through the smell. What is this smell? It starts right here, and, and I have a nose. So I'm thinking, when something is off in the house, I will, yes, I will, like a house, sniff around, open up the can. She does. She said, if anybody's going to find it. One time, I could smell, and I'm thinking in the kitchen, I was like, what? Open up this cabinet door. I'm thinking, what is, there was one piece of macaroni noodle. That was stuck in between two bowls. We probably had a party, somebody, because when people try to help you after a party clean up, 
Sometimes you want to say, we'll do it. Because you call this clean, but that's fine. That's the whole other day. It's, uh, it's snipping out, and this is what I said. I found it. The one macaroni noodle that was wet when it fell in here. Found you. And so she opens up the elevator, because there's an elevator in our new church. Four bags of trash were forgotten in there. So, because, you know, the building had been cleaned, distracted, because uh, it was put in there to be taken down to take out to the to the dumpster, and got distracted with a conversation, whatever, kind of thing. Never happened before. She said, Apostle, I found the source. It's the elevator. I said, that's why every time I walk past the elevator, it smells. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so we took out that nasty mess. Oh, I'm not calling somebody to do this. Are you kidding me? This is our church. This is my, this is my custodial care. Oh, custodial care. Custodians. So I said, no, we're not going to ride the elevator down. We're going to meet it downstairs. <laughs> no, man. Oh, I can't have that on my clothes. I can't do it. And so we took the steps down, the long way around, hit the button. We took a deep breath. <laughs> she got the trash can, and we were like, and we took it out. I said, oh, my God. I sprayed so much Lysol in that elevator, I almost knocked myself out. I had to go lay down upstairs. I was like, oh, my. I think I did it to myself today. I said, let it never be said that we don't take out the trash around here. I don't care what office you sit in. We don't take out the trash. <laughs> so that's what you have to do sometimes. That trash builds up in your soul, and so you kind of like to stay by yourself with you and your sink and nobody else, because when other people come around, you, you get, what is it called, nose blind. That's what they say, you get nose blind, so you don't smell your own mess anymore in your soul, because it's you. And But strangers come over, they're like, what's wrong with you? Ooh, oh my. And then... Chief Apostle is like, oh, no, we don't do that here. Oh, no, no, we're going we're gonna to deal with that. And sometimes it's today and sometimes it's six weeks from now or whatever. But just know there's a day marked when that will be dealt with. And so we want to hide with our trash. We want to hide because it's our waste. It's our stuff. It's my whatever. And here comes the light of the world, the light of truth. And so this is when you discover, did I want to be free? Or did I just want to talk a good game? And so that, ooh, because that elevator door opened, it was like, gradually that thing propped open, sprayed the hall, because it was just wafting down the downstairs. That's the, oh, this is not God. This is not. And I told her, I said, there's so many sermons in this right now. <laughs> I feel a series coming out of this whole experience of trash. And it was like, and we were determined to find the stink. Where is the stink coming from? And it's very easy sometimes to just call somebody else. Well, you find it. You find it. We have a policy. We have so many policies. One of them is like, look, if, if you notice it, it's on you to do. First of all, I was thinking, I can't wait a day or three or four hours for somebody else to take care of this. I mean, they weren't like heavy where you needed help. Oh, thank God. And they weren't juicy. Oh, thank God. You know, the garbage juice. But that's how... The point is, <laughs> in our soul, that's how we are. And we want to keep that hidden. This is my personal elevator going up and down, just riding your mess all the time. Asking God for somebody to take out the trash. Well, take out the trash. Oh, no, but don't take out the trash. Take out the trash. Oh, no, but not that bad. 
That's my favorite bag. That's my designer trash bag. I've been carrying that around since I was 15. But that's my trash bag of unforgiveness with my mom, my relatives, my siblings, my ex, whatever. That's that trash. And this is my prize trash. Can't you see? Mm -mm. And then comes the chief desk. (laughs) (laughs) She said all up in it. And that is why we have these classes. So you need to enroll in Christ University. I suggest you take biblical psychology as well. If you really want to go for a detoxification of everything, just everything. Biblical psychology is a class for people who are not playing around, people who really want radical, life-altering, life-changing results, not short-term fixes, not how many quick crash diets can I go on, and uh, weekend detoxes, and what? just tell me what drink I need to drink so I can be fine. No, this is for people who want that lifestyle change who want a new life on the other side of this, not just a crash deliverance. Amen? She said, if you say so. She wrote the book on it. So many. I did. You know, I'm excited about what you're talking about because we, um, again, you know, the state of the church, let's just say the state of the church. Can we yes. just talk about the yes. state of the church? Are we at the I got to say, I think they're going to like it. The state of the church, we, everybody's talking about it, but I'm listening, and I'm talking to a lot of people, saved, not saved, because, you know, in my, with my election, I had the acronym LISTEN, and I'm going to put that up um, probably next week when we broadcast, and I'm going to walk through that. I already did the, the training, but when we had to give our two-minute speech, and she handled it. As to why we, why we should be elected, uh, I put up the acronym LISTEN, and if I can find it in a few minutes, I will. But the point that I want to bring out here is that I've talked to all of these people listening, and I keep hearing a common theme in the church, and that is healing and deliverance are aesthetic and abstract. Yeah, true. Yeah. So they're presented as aesthetic and abstract. And if that's the case, and that means the bondage and the issues and the strongholds are also perceived as aesthetic and abstract. And because we don't want to solidify things or, you know, crystallize it so that it can, we can wrap our hands around it, we just stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And we stay stuck because we really went through this whole happy time era, the happy time gospel. Happy time. You know, don't worry, be happy. That wasn't Jesus. Come on. Yeah. So I know they told you that was Jesus. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. But he didn't say, be happy just because. And because the way we presented it, it's kind of cast your care. So the enemy is so good at taking good and making it cozy. And it becomes so cozy that you actually think that you are doing the word of God. And, it, and the coziness is to make it appear pain-free, trauma-free, you know, anxiety-free. So you're supposed to think, well, I'm just casting it on over to Jesus. No, you don't. You're blanking out. Blanking out. You're like, I'm, you're dismissing it. You're telling your mind not to mention it. But your soul is very funny. It's a very funny entity. You can't trick it. It gives the impression of being trickable. You can't trick it. Just like you can't really trick the human body. 
You talk to any scientist, any physicist, and, or physiologist, and they're all going to tell you the same thing. Yeah, but the body never lets anything go. I think that's a powerful statement. The body never really lets anything go. Whatever is you bring into your body, put into your body, cause to be, whatever you do with your body, in your body, every time, your body is like, okay, got it, and it locks everything, and it registers everything, which is why they use hypnosis to make your body give up information that your conscious self has hidden or deprived you access to for whatever reason. So if the human body never lets anything go, see, this is the, 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 the technology of our theology. I keep saying it because we have taught you a theology with an impossible and certainly incongruent technology. We do not. So we never think of how to and know how with God Almighty. We think, well, I mean, I don't know how God, and we're comfortable saying, I don't know how God did it. I'm just all right that he did it. Uh-huh. Well, I don't really care how he did it. I just want him to do it when I say so. You're talking about Merlin the magician. You're not talking about Jesus Christ the Messiah. Come on. And sometimes we confuse Merlin with Messiah. Oh, and Messiah doesn't operate like that. And we've been taught to. So you have all of these big ministers. I mean, huge people. They're turning out crowds of the tens and fifty and twenty thousand people, and they're standing and saying, "I don't know, and I don't care." And everybody thinks that's okay. You can't get away with that in your job. You can't get ignorance of the law is no excuse. They have ne- no way in the world has ignorance been an excuse, even when you're a victim. Now they they'll give you a little bit of mercy, some amnesty maybe, but nowhere will that walk except in the most powerful institution on the planet. Why is Satan pushing back against us the way he is? Because he knows that we outrank him, that we're over him, that we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we are the, the literal body of his maker who dethroned him and threw him out. See, that's the gospel you don't hear. See, that's because we like that irresponsible gospel. And we want to exchange it for that irrepressible ignorance. We like that gospel. We don't want to take responsibility for what we do because, I mean, after all, it feels good to cry. Doesn't sad song says it so much? We love the little sad song, you know, because it makes you, you I, I, I want to feel bad. I mean, you can't, you're so dishonest with your emotions that you got to buy a sad movie and put on a sad song and have some sad food and then turn your lights out and create a sad environment so you can get a good tear off. Because you have so deceived your soul, it cannot respond wholesomely to what it takes to get it healed. Because you were raised by parents that said you don't cry, you don't shed a tear, all of that. So you're living your parents' foolishness and their tra- and their tragedies. Think about it. So people, you have to sit there. And this, I mean, they made movies. Oh, yeah, I just sat down and asked myself a good cry. 16 years after the event. Do you feel late? <laughs> late. 16, as a matter of fact, we don't even know if you're putting your pieces back together correctly. Are you, I mean, are you, you could be wrongly assembling. You know how many uh, uh, adverse things have affected that particular memory? 
that you're now ready to, well, I'm ready to, you old, you've hurt everybody, you've got a string of, of, of wounded spirits behind you that have all been suffering from that, the axe and the hammer of that sorrow, and now you want to be free. Yes, in the hammer. Your kids can't function in life. You've got 75 spouses. Some you walk down the aisle with, others you just flung with. Because you you were taught how to mishandle your soul's agony. Mishandling your soul's agony. So I'm saying all of this because I think it's interesting that she has brought this up because today I said to God, as I welcome you to the Jesus and Paula show. And by the way, Jesus did show up. Yes. He did. He's here. You know, with a mouth like that, he better be here. You know, something. Ooh, something is flying around here. See, you all start packing stuff and the folk can't survive. <laughs> you know, we're moving. We're almost out. We're out. You, we will not be here next week. Isn't that wonderful? We are moving. Our broadcast is going to be everything. We're setting up our new studios and, and all of that. And it's wonderful because God gave us miraculous breakthrough. Can I say miraculous? I mean, the testimony is like, we're going to need a banquet for the testimony. But anyway, getting back to our brush. <laughs> God has, y'all going to be cute. You know what be cute, baby. Oh, we got to go to Dick and Jerry. Yeah, I got to, to cuteen up a little bit. And, you know, you, and, and listen, Apostle Ashley doesn't need a reason. This girl goes cute with the everything. It doesn't matter. The sponge for the sink got to be cute, okay? The, what you scrub the pot with got to be cute. Got to be cute. And if she can bling it up a little bit, that's all the better. So we've got cute house cleaning stuff. Isn't this a cute little dust rag? It's a dust rag, right? Yes, but it's attractive. Yes. No joke. She got to cute up everything. I don't care what it is. It's going to be cute. She'll come in, come in with a little stuff and say, I don't know what it is, but I know I should say yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know I should say it's cute. Yes, baby, that's cute. That's good. Baby. Okay. I said, oh, honey, look at that. Where'd you get that from? It's wonderful. Look at that. Yeah. And I said, it's just like, it's such a good mom. Yeah, I got to work it out. You know, I got to keep you encouraged, you know? And um, besides, I really like, the, I like you all's uniqueness. You all have a misunderstanding of who I am. Your uniqueness, it tickles me. I get a kick out of it, and I can name each and every one of you when we get time to tell you why, how each and every one of you affect me, not unequally, just differently. Yeah. And it's my job to know that. Parents who try to force their children and even pastors who want to force their sheep into one particular mold because that's the only mold they can handle, well, that's unfortunate. That's not me. I can handle all of y'all. Try it if you want. No, 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 Mm-mm. And I won't say a word to you. Walk away, and I say, okay, Jesus, let's get busy on this one. <laughs> God, we got to change a few things, fix a few things, you know? I know my little runaway kids, like them, those that run away, I say, but well, they'll be back in a few years. Couple of, some people, I said, well, I'm not going to see you for a decade, but that's okay. Because you out tearing up somebody else's world. Why God is setting you free. That's <laughs> okay. So you're not tearing up my world while God is sitting here. That's, that's where I am on this thing. You over there, going over there to brother so-and-so. Yeah, wreck his world while God is setting you free. Hallelujah. 
you know, and I often say to folks, you know, because we've been through this a couple of times. I'm going to get back to my slide, but one of the, I know y'all think I'm not, but I surely am. You know, did you check out some color on today? Yeah, baby, I'm cute. Got match my glasses. Every 16th outfit, these glasses match. This is nothing. This is wonderful. But one of the things that I have learned is when people, you know, they come in and say people pull your folk and whatever because they, you know, folks pick your, pick your, your sheep. And if you're a pastor or, or a leader, listen, they pick your sheep on those intermittent times they see them on their best behavior. And so they come in and they feel like, I want that. And so I, you know, don't they do it? At my conference, people, if they think it's a personnel thing or something, I don't know. But you know what I always say? The good stay. The bad go. The bad flee. And I tell them all the time, yeah, but I didn't see you any. I didn't give you anything good. I didn't give you anything good. I gave you my problems because my solutions are still solving my issues. <laughs> I gave you my problems. And then when you say it, then you get those leaders to say, yeah, but see, that's because they, they get in their mind because, you know, smug people always think they got it going on. Yeah, but see, that's because you didn't know what to do with it. With Dr. Price, that's because you were hard. That was because you were this. I was like, but you untried. So why, why would you, how could you know as an untried leader, how could you know a ruly, unruly, let's be real, an unruly minister? So I listened to him, and I listened to this, and you know what I said? I said, God, nobody could tell me 25 years ago, 15 years ago, I had it going on. I knew people. Don't tell me I don't know people. I know people. I understand people. 25 years ago, yeah. But you know what? What you know about people is what you understand. And God said, lean not to your own understanding. Uh-oh. So when I say they didn't send me anything good, I'm looking at three years, five years, 20, 25 years. I'm looking at all the problems See, because I still got the trash that was in the elevator. Thank you. Uh, See, the elevator's still funky. <laughs> but they leave the house. My God. Oh, oh yeah. Dog mask, the little crazy geese we got, the try to, <laughs> baby, we got the, we got the geese from Psycho. These are some, these are, I said, okay. I did, and so I was trying to be nice with them, you know, because we got this wonderful little pond, isn't it great? We have two ponds, and one of them are on our land, and they're spreading up and everything. Why aren't the geese down there? No, the geese are trying to act like they in the hood. <laughs> I think that I expect this geese to pull out a weapon in a minute. I got out of my car yesterday, and this geese started screaming at me, and I said, I'm going in this building because, God, I think I'm going to hurt him, and I, th- I understand, no, because I think I'm going to make the news. I don't want to make the news about a geese. He started screaming, and he was running at me, and I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to kill you. So, we, we call some people, come get these geese, that their lives may be spared until spring comes. Ooh, yes, I did go, and I was trying to be nice. But, but the point that I am saying is that just because you like what you see two or three times a year doesn't mean that you understand what you're getting when you pilfer. <laughs> Anybody who's been a pastor knows we all lived it. We're going to get, oh, and, and, and you, have, you need to know when those people, when another leader's people are kissing up to you, you need to know that they're in trouble. Mm. 
because the faithful don't. So every time you come, they're letting you know their vision. They're letting you know their gifts. They're letting you know their this and their that. Apostle Charlie, is that right or not? Baby, I want you to see she that so when and they're like and and then and, and I know that they've misled you because then you won't come and tell me how great they are. You mean from your three minute conversation in the elevator, you know how great they are? Yes, you are a poor judge of character. Now I can tell you how somebody appears, but that's no charismatic soul. Charismatic does not mean character. See, and I'm speaking to you all because some of you all ended up with people who were already under the hand of God's judgment. And their judgment has just joined your organization. Because we think that just because God judged somebody, well, if they leave, that they're gone. Honey, let me tell you, nobody cares that folks jumped off the ship with Jonah. As a matter of fact, Jonah says, saying, this is a what he said, I got to go. They said, we got to throw him overboard. Everybody had to go. The judgment on the whole ship was Jonah. And Jonah was trying to be a good guy. He was like, no, I mean, the people, the, the, the captain rather tried to be a good guy with Jonah. Yeah, yeah. He's trying, he, no, we can't do it. He said, no. But, you know, God's people are crazy. I'm going to tell you right now, God's folk are crazy. Ship is being beat down. Jonah, please. Everybody else saw the waves as terrifying. He thought, he, the, Jonah, Jonah saw the waves as lulling his rest. I'm just happy. I got a nice little water bed here. This is really wonderful. <laughs> and so they come now and they're like, now we got a God too. We got sitting up to be scared. What is wrong with you? Do you not have a God? <laughs> Jonah, wake up. Yeah, my God's doing this. Because yeah, uh-huh. prophets know God. I don't care what a prophet tells you. Oh. A genuine prophet knows when God is on the warpath in their lives or when he is stalking an era or a situation. So he's like, don't sleep. That's being me. Deep sleep. Think about the capsize. I'm calling the wind a breeze. <laughs> they come in. They, man, get up, man. Please, with your God. Maybe that'll help. He said it won't help. Because true prophets talk just like that. No, that's Jesus. We know Jesus. He said, please. He said, I'll tell you what you do. If you throw me overboard, the storm will stop, and the ship will be great. Right. Throw you overboard? That's inhumane. We can't do that. We can't. No, you know, Christians, I mean, a lot of these Christians, the way these pastors have taught, these Christians would have went after the Egyptians and got them out the water and brought them back on the planet. To, come on, because these are, see, that's how these Christians think. Baby, try to get Satan back in heaven. You ain't made it. How are you going to try to get him back? Okay. So he, they said, all right, you know Jonah, okay, but I just want you to know when I'm overboard, because God had already told him, if you don't, if you don't do what I tell you to do, you because he doesn't shock us like that. Right. We kind of know. I don't care if it's a dream, a vision, something, you see yourself swimming, swimming in intestines or something, you know, but you know, death is going to happen. Yeah. Eventually, they, to save their own lives, for their own self-preservation, um, they threw Jonah overboard. So then it became, the storm became Jonah and God's issue. Right. And, Jonah, and Jonah was so hard-headed. See, because you think because a, per, a, a person is suffering, you think they're strong. He was so stubborn. 
He was so hard-headed and so blinded by his conviction. He had a conviction. He was convinced, and he was blinded by it. And so he throws him overboard, and he ends up, and it just so happened that the well casino condo was right outside the boat. He goes into, yeah, you know, he had to go in because it was a gamble. He was gambling on whether or not who was going to win. All right? So he goes into the, the well. It's like, I wanted a snack. I was wondering when I was going to eat. He said, I prepared one. He said, a fish, big fish. We call him well because that's all we know. It could be something else. But right now, well works. So he calls him. And many times when they teach that, they don't teach that, jo- that Jonah died. Which is why Jesus can use that incident later on to explain his resurrection from the dead in three days. It took Jonah three days to humble himself as a dead man in a fish belly. Now, he's running around with everything that animal ate. It's got to be, talk about thinking elevated. What must it have been like in that? You said, I can't. You said, can't. When you read what he says in the well's belly, he's recounting the experience. He's talking about seaweed strangling him. He's talking about all kinds of stuff, the gates of soul. He's going to start a darkness, blah, blah. He's going on about it. And it still took him three days to say, but you're wrong. Because God's people are so powerful, they can be wrong for years before you know it. Saul was wrong for almost 20 years before you knew it. David was wrong how many, how long? It took how many seasons before all of the food ran out in his realm? Because God is that good, he's that rich, he's that powerful, and he makes his people like that. It took him that long. It took David how long to say that, oh, yeah, well, I did do that, Uriah, that shit, yeah, that was, yeah. uh, Blind themselves to their sin. I'm going somewhere with this. But I want you to know, so it took Jonah three days and nights in the belly of the fish to say, all right, I'll obey you, your prophetic call. I'll deliver the message. And he still wasn't persuaded. He sure wasn't. God brings him back to life and makes him a literal toxin to the fish. Fish got to vomit him up. You're just talking about vomiting him up. There was no dry heat. There was, okay, there was, there was Jonah, brought out prophet heat, <laughs> brought him out. He gets cleaned up. He goes, and he goes to deliver the message. And as surely as the, our experience is, God's full character shows up. And here comes the, okay, I'm going to speak. The king repents because we don't realize how much God values repentance. And so the king repents, and especially when the leader repents. See, the whole nation was wrong, but it's the leaders that God is judging. Even now, if you notice, we're not, anybody asking us, do we, did we want to sign off on an election or not? Nobody asked us. No. Did anybody ever ask us? No. Nobody asked me what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. Wow. Nobody asked me, did I want to have these bills that this man is writing? Because the power is in the office. Right. We put him in the office. We gave him the power. And so God does, God is like, well, I'm going to be merciful. Jonah knows that because Jonah has obviously had several prophecies where he, God sent him off to say, y'all gone, uh, most high is going to wipe you off the map, you're about to die, and whatever, and then they repent. 
You know, that's like the prophet's greatest bane. That the person believes them and repents. <laughs> we want you. We, I'm not validated unless the fire comes down. I'm not validated unless the storm tornado comes. And here's God, this, this sweet thing called repentance. And so the king, because when a top leader repents, I want you to understand it shifts the nation. Because when a top leader perverts, it destroys the nation. So this king was cool. He said, all right, wait a minute. No, no, I got too many people. And we like to think that God only knows those that he cut blood covenants with. No, God made everything. Every, say everything. Everything. God made everything. So you understand that that king knew God. He may not have known him as a savior, but he knew him as a sovereign. And see, that's where the church is mixed up right now. The world knows God as a sovereign. They may not want him as a savior, but they know him as a sovereign. And this world predates us and our salvation. So the king goes and he says, all right, I'll tell you what, we're going to repent. They say he took off his royal robe, which was a big deal for a person like that to show up in public ugly. You better know it's bad. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All dusty, dust all over his head. And he, and he used his feet to call the entire nation yeah. to repentance. And then when they did and they repent and whatnot, now here's the prophet. Jonah is like, see, I told you. That's why I didn't want to take this ministry. I didn't want to do this. First of all, I told you I didn't want to be your prophet. I said I didn't want to serve you like this because I know you. I knew you were going to be good. I knew you were going to be kind. I knew you were going to be merciful, and I was going to look like an idiot. So now here you go again, making me look like a false prophet. How are you doing that, Most High? Wow. 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 Then get mad, and he gives God the cold shoulder and the silent prophets. We good at that. Silent treatment. We ain't talking to you. We will do what we have to do, but enough for you to not kill us. That's it. We just don't want to be killed. But we mad. We're mad with you right now. So we're just doing whatever keeps us alive. Okay? And so he goes, and he is not talking to God, and, and he's so, so mad at God, he won't even seek God for help. He's getting cooked by the sun. Okay? <laughs> this is a strong... Because we tell Jonah, Jonah was in the well, like he went on vacation in the well's belly. That wasn't a vacation. That was death. And then he had a little fun running around with the, with the seaweed and the other things, the animal ate. Won't ask God for help. He's that mad with the Lord. You know, some of us, I know prophets 15 years. Yeah, but I gave a word 20-something years ago, and God, I know it was God, and, and he didn't do it and whatever. But God said, I delight in mercy. Mercy. So he's mad. So he goes to sleep. God, but God goes. God looks like he's doing mercy. You know, like the mercy you don't want me to have for them, but I'm gonna have this on you. I'm gonna grow this 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 stalk for you. You know, before there was Jack and the beanstalk, there was Jonah and the stalk. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, so Jonah gets the stalk, and then he he won't even say thank you. You know, when you're mad with the Lord, you can't even lift your stuff. Because you're mad. And you want God to reverse himself for the sake of your ego. So here we go. So he's angry. He's angry. And then he goes to sleep, and the thing is dead. He ends up, God kills him just as quickly and suddenly as he, he grew it, he kills it. And just, now his nature face kicks in because he's a naturist now. How dare you let that little stalk die? 
God is like, but, but, but I have all these people here, and you don't care. You understand that naturists don't care about people? It's true. Y'all hear what I just said. You can always tell a person that Satan has bound because they don't care about God's highest possession and highest creation, which is humanity. So you have all of these scientists talking about, well, if, if we can get rid of the humans, the earth could. You realize that before there was human, the earth was without void, with void and without, okay? And darkness was on the face of Do you realize that there was a time there was no human, and he said there was no man to till the ground? Had all these animals running around, but no, not one animal could till the ground. I'm just saying. I got a bell, and I got a clock. Not one animal. So they want the entire planet to be emptied of everybody but them. Because I'm thinking if this is a problem, kill yourself. Take yourself off the planet. Okay? Because the rest of us are okay with us and animals. I'm okay. I can, I can live with it. I mean, and considering that most of them have more than we do, Okay? When we're looking at these little geese, I'm like, yeah, but see, I know it's only y'all two, but in the midst about be it must be 80 y'all, and nobody can come into the parking lot. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So we just praying them away. What's just Jesus? I just need you to move them. I've had him do that to me before. He's moved out of his thing, so I know we'll be fine. But hear about this. And that's, that was Jonah. Jonah did not care that God's wrath was going to wipe out an entire nation. All he wanted was that he would be, it would be noise around the planet that he was the prophet that prophesied it. And that this little beanstalk didn't suffer because him and God had a kid. But he didn't care about the people. Just like these prophets, they don't care about the people. They care about their prophecy. And so the, the, king, the king repents, God hears, because God delights in mercy, and he wants people. He said, I created the earth to be inhabited. You want to know where devil is, just look at all of the things that the devil says will fix the planet versus what God said he created it for. I created the earth to be inhabited. Mm-hmm. I created it for people. I want families. I want different generations. I want nations. I want you all to do that. I want animals. I want it to be a small replicant of my world. But you see, hard-heartedness and stubbornness, self-serving, that is what we are. And so when you brought that up, I said, she can't even know that this is what we're doing. (laughs) So I'm going. I like it because she can see my screen. Time for transformation. You know, the Bible said that we ought to be what? How? By the renewing of our mind. We are born again. We're not even renovated. Like when people say reborn, we're not reborn. Reborn is is that you died and somebody brought you back to life and you're real thankful and you're real grateful and so you're going to live differently. Born again means that God is getting rid of how you live and the mechanisms, the machinery, the entity, and the energy on which, by which you live, and he's throwing that away, and he's putting his own being in you. So the new birth is a being, not just a birthing. It's a being. 
you're birthing an, an entire new being, the portion of the Holy Ghost. And so they're very different. People can't explain the difference. So because when, when you know, when the unsaved talk about they reborn, they're saying their soul is reborn. They're not saying they got a new spirit. Because they can't have a new spirit because the devil that's that on their line, their family tree is not going anywhere. The only person who can evict the devil in your genealogical tree is Jesus Christ. That's the difference between rebirth and born again. See, because we're born again means brand new. Behold, he makes all things new. I'm giving you a new heart. I'm giving you a new spirit. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen. Rebirth is about an experience that made you wonder about your ways. It made you want that. Do you all like that? Yeah. So, and, and so that rebirth can't transform your life. It can reform, but it can't transform because re and trans are not the same. Trans is totally changed. We is going back, is backstepping to do it again. Maybe better, but it's still working with the same parts, the same uh, principles, codes, etc. So if you look on the screen, it has Hebrews 10, but we are not of them which draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The one thing that God has given me the grace to comprehend is the human soul as he made it and as he uses it and grooms it, or judges it. As he made it, as he uses it, or grooms it, and as he judges it. So the soul as the maker made it is not the same as the soul as the fallen gods have, what, deformed it. See, the reason they need reformation is because they were deformed. What God made was deformed. It's a deformed. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that good to know? Because you don't know how to answer these things. We have these discussions. Well, yeah, well, I've been reborn too. I wasn't reborn. My soul didn't. My soul couldn't die because it was already dead. And my new creation spirit is bringing it alive every day, changing its codes, switching out the codes of death, the codes of Satan and his mortality, and imparting in it the codes and the powers of an endless life. Not just life. Did you hear? Put that up. <laughs> you really enjoy this a lot, don't you? So it's time for transformation. Well, what are we talking about? Well, let's look at some of the things. You, when you, you cannot be transformed without being transitioned because where you were had a composition, had a construction. And so now we are being transformed, and that's transition. That's why when people get saved, they got to move in many cases. You got to be somewhere else. You can't continue to go to the same bar. You must transition your being. Transformation's appetite can take root in your soul. Because it's all about appetite. That's what it was. I mean, it started with food. It doesn't surprise me that. Here we are, still obsessed with food, food items that kill, food items that heal, and all of that. This whole thing started with two things, mother and God and creation. It started with a marriage and food. Wow. That's why a lot of what they teach 
about what God thinks about it in this world, especially since Christ, is not accurate. This thing, we got into trouble because of a marriage, a man and his wife. Now, you'll hear people tell you that, yeah, but there was nobody else around. But when we use that same explanation, that that is, when we start to use it to say to people, God did not intend for us to be naked, all right? When we use it, now that's something wrong with us. Yeah, but you understand that there was no mall in the Garden of Eden. There was no factory for them to get clothes. When we come into this world naked, yeah, you know why? Because there's no wool, no mall or clothes or rack onesies in the birth canal. See, there was no onesie in that birth canal. They came out bloody, whatever, out on a table. They didn't drop into a onesie. And so you realize that why my hand is because Christians have been taught not to think but to get locked up in their feelings. So if you look at the uh, word cloud, you see transition is in the center. So what does that mean? Progress, shift, evolution, transformation, process, change, development. I like growth and improvement. Those things are very important. These are the elements. This is what God is doing to convert your soul. When you look at the next one, you can see the whole thing of, of, about God. Everything about God requires you to convert. Huh. It is. Must be, but we must convert because that's the only way to believe to the saving of the soul. You cannot be an unbeliever and say you're converted to Christ. You can't even say you're converted to life because, to be honest with you, not so. It can't happen. Why would you, I mean, you can, you can be reformed. You can modify your behavior. That's why we call it behavior modification, because they don't have the power of reformation. So the best we can hope for is that you'll behave yourself and, and, and keep yourself keep out of harm's way and keep, up, keep from harming others. That's the best that we can offer, because what must happen, the transformation that must happen, can only happen from the spirit realm because it was the spirit that did it, and it was the spirit that was changed. It was the spirit of God in Adam that departed his vessel, departed his being, departed Eve's being when they took on the serpent for fruit. Vegan. She said vegan diet. I'm with her. See? And, and, and you, I, and you know, I always like to say this because when pe- because we don't, people don't read the Bible, they learn, uh, they hear it, and they learn books about the Bible. They really think that vegan and vegetarianism is of Christ, and it's not. Right. Otherwise, why was he eating lamb? Right. He was eating lamb. He was eating fish. I'm sure he ate whatever they had. Yeah. Why would the Messiah? Because see, I'm talking to you Christians who are filled with the Holy Ghost, lying on him, telling you that. Erin, Erin, E-R-R-I-N-G, Erin. Because they ignore Noah. They ignore the flood. And before the flood, they were eating meat. You know why? Because they were eating meat. 
because of the angels that did not keep their first estate. And they needed blood. And they needed me. So we act as if the garden, the, the fall never happened, the flood never happened, the ark of the covenant never happened. We, we ignore all of that to act as if we're still in the garden as God's happy behaved children. That's where that comes from. But it's pagans who came up with vegetarianism. It is pagan. It is that came up with the vegan. I don't care what they tell you. And a lot of them who are telling you, they're in their 20s and in their 30s. You don't know how this is going to fare out when they get in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. What I do know is that all that vegetarianism and veganism has bumped up neurodegenerative diseases. So, but they didn't know when they were 26 years old and you had your whole, not just your whole life in front of you, but you had your entire reserve of life and health at, at your disposal. So you are 16 years old and you've gone vegan, but you don't know if it's going to take away your mind when you're 60. Because God said to, Moses, uh, to Noah, he said, now listen, of all the animals you can eat except these types, these kinds. And he told him the kinds of animals he couldn't eat. Why did he do that? Because Satan had taken over the gene pool. And because he took over the gene pool, he was breeding his mortality in it. So even the abundance of life reserves we had was going to be used, siphoned off, because two entities are living off of our life force. So he's saying, okay, so you all are going to have some deformity. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have some on and on and off. You realize that a large part of the vegetation was gone then because the flood wiped out a large part of the vegetation. So they had to replenish the earth. Now, you know they weren't eating fruits and veggies in the ark. Because they wouldn't last. You pull, pull, as much as they tell you vegetarian is good, you can rest assured that whatever ones they put in that ark rotted. Unless they had a little pot that they could grow it and not, God wouldn't want them to grow that because that was the curse he was dealing with. He said, take these in here for food. These are going to be for sacrifice. These are going to be for food. Because sacrifice had become the way of the planet from Adam's fall, and then, I would like to say, intensified with Cain killing his brother. So you could talk about it all day long. But you know, with the, and, you, uh, and you're talking about, well, you know, they do tests. You realize that people make machines to produce test results they want? Yes, they do. They calibrate them to give them the results they believe in. So their faith is, is, is your result. <laughs> their faith. So... If they believe that, they set the scales. They set the ranges. They do that. Well, if you see these five things, then we're going to market this. If you see that, don't be naive. Those machines are not objective. They're no more objective than their designers. Can't be. Now, there are people, I mean, you know, like my mom could not, she just, she was A-B something. She has that red blood type. I didn't get that, thank the Lord. Anyway. See, she couldn't stand. She was born not liking a whole lot of meat. I have a nephew who can't tolerate it at all from an infant. So that's, now you know that's his call. That is an individual call, not a universal call. 
Now me, nah, me, me, me. I remember when she was in college and the Lord gave her to me. He said, I'm going to give you some help and your help is going to do this and your help is going to do that and they're going to be there for you and all of that. And I was excited. I said, but listen, I need her not to be skinny. <laughs> he, didn't pretty, he didn't give me that. that, that she came like 80-something pounds soaking wet. I said, and I need her to like me. This girl to this day, give her a good hamburger. You are her friend. I said, me and her were able to sit down and chow down on some meat. I was excited. I said, but you're so little, because we got it in our mind. Little people don't eat like, like come on. So my little, my, my little tiny babies, they can throw that on something. And, t- and don't take my steak. Do not take my steak. So, but, exactly. Um, honey, like, if, if you call the Daniel diet up in here, it better not be long. We've done it one time in 21 years. And we don't do that. And so I went, and so when you look at it, God told humanity, if you want to eat meat, eat it. And then so, and you get those, those um, new agey translations that say, well, if you want to eat food. No, 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 no. He said, if you want to any animal, and he said, except those who, who died itself in the blood thing, he gave that whole thing. We asked like, that's the first time Moses got it. That's the first time in his scripture. Moses had Noah. So this whole, we need to all be vegetarians, that is a devil. And you know why? Because you eat all of that glucose, all of that gluten, all of that stuff, it's going to affect your ability to function, but it will mess with your brain. Now, I'm just telling you what Bible says. But I can also tell you, see, I was vegetarian for five years. I was vegetarian. The first year, it was wonderful. I mean, I was so healthy. I felt good and that lost weight. Second year, oh, my goodness, I was like, really, whatever. By the time I hit the fourth year, one thing I had a problem with was faith, the fearful spirit. There's a reason why they tell folks when you're getting ready to fight or you're, when you're getting ready to take on a major thing, you need to eat healthy and not a lot. If you need pasta for energy, but if you need muscle and endurance, you need me. I couldn't believe God for anything worthwhile. I was jittery. My chemistry was off. I mean, it was a horrible experience. Every time I preached, I had no energy. I'd pass out. I'd white out, actually. Right, every time. I don't care where I was. And it didn't make a difference if I was at home in my own church or if I was traveling. I white out. I was dizzy all the time, trembly and cold. So I did the whole thing. Well, let's go and make the, we'll get the protein base this and protein base that didn't work for me. And every time I cut myself, I couldn't stop bleeding. Mm. I mean, couldn't stop bleeding. And my blood was so thin, you could almost see through it. And so I, I went on like that, and I was sitting. I've told this story before, so I don't know who I'm blessing right now. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But don't say it's a health regimen right. Right. and that it's a universal health regimen. And so, uh, so I, sat, I was sitting. I, I'd done my last pass out, and I, mean, and, and I had to do something because people weren't going to bring me in. I'm like, it was like couldn't lay hands on people, nothing, no strength. And I did all of it. You know, I got the, 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 what is it, the, the breakfast, the vegan breakfast, the vegetarian sausage. I did all of that. And because if God tells me something, I'm going to do it to the end. 
Well, I hit it in. And I was sitting in a restaurant, and I was getting ready to get my usual salad and vegetable thing. Holy Ghost said, get a steak. I said, oh, no, I don't eat meat. I felt like Peter. I thought this was that test. I don't eat meat. No. <laughs> I did. I said, no, Jesus, I can't do that because, you know, um, I'm vegetarian. He said, get a steak. So this happened about three times, and I said, but God, you told me to do it. He said, you need a steak because you're killing yourself. Mm. Now, I didn't know at the time that within four months I would have to undergo major surgery. At the time he told me to get a steak, I did not know that. And so I said, I can't do it. And I was sitting there, and this the only thing I can do is say, all of you all who know God can get a sense of it. All of a sudden, my soul broke past my body, and it roared. And when I say it roared, you can tell it was like God used that to break that lying spirit out of my soul. So I did. I ordered a steak. I can't even tell you what kind of order. I could only eat a little bit of it. You also want to say when you're vegetarian, your jaw bones are not as strong. They don't chew right. Teeth not as strong. They don't bite right. And your all of your organs for processing heavy food begin to shrink and constrict and contract. See, they don't tell you that. And so, to be honest with you, I was not, I, I was stunned. And so I said to God later on that night, I said, why? He said, because you need it. He said, because you were going to die. Well, I didn't know that. And sure enough, when I had surgery, I hemorrhaged so much that they had to fight for my life. And so I say to you, if that is how God built you, have fun. I don't even argue with the fact that he may have whole regions. That way, I don't believe it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have animals everywhere. So I don't believe that they are regional things. But again, you have got to understand that what you have got to recognize paganism, New Ageism, and witchcraft, and it's always about exploiting your mortality. Look at all of the laws and everything that's coming. It's all about still kill and destroy. If you didn't know where that scripture fell, well, in the, in the modern times, there it is. Everything is about killing, stealing, and destroying. These are the meanest people. I've been saying that they are the meanest people you ever want to meet. They are mean people because you, you can't be sweet without Jesus. And I'm not talking about the fallen one. Jesus said, I got a lot of imposters, a lot of fakes, which is why you need to have this word and you still need to have the Holy Spirit moving your teachers. There is nothing in Scripture that tells us we have to be vegetarian. Nothing. Noah got out that boat, and he said, you can do this. And the reason he said it was because he had wiped out the planet, number one. We're no animals, number two, which is what they had. And over that time, obviously, they were still uh, mating and producing so that they'd have food for the people coming out. He also, if he waterlogged the earth, that means all its nutrients were gone. That means that over time, a lot of deformities happened, a lot of sicknesses. Because there are, there are technological things. There are mechanical things that, that coincide with or fulfill our theology. And I'm telling you that we got here because Christians separated humanists theology, and even our theology, God's word, 
from God's works, and Jesus always paired them. The works that I do, you will do also. That I may work the works of God. He's the word. You're the word talking about you got to have a work. So God brought me here to bring all of that out for you to think about how converted are you and, and what are you being converted to and from and by what means. Conversion is everything. Because you, you, can't transi- you can't transition without conversion. You can't transform. You've got to change how you think and feel about things. So we go on. I thought you'd like this one. Transformation changes your direction. Mm. Where you used to have to hang out with everybody on Friday night after work, you don't have to do that any longer. Where you used to have to, you know, uh, do, uh, what do you call it, go to different events, or you had to behave a certain way. Some of you all, I mean, you t- we t- basic transformation, can you stop cussing? You understand, cursing Christians with the power of the Holy Ghost benefits Satan because he needs your power, however perverse it is. So he needs you cussing all the time so his demons can draw from your power to perform their wickedness. Words mean what they say. Witches use imprecation. Imprecation. Those are words that hurt enough to harm. It's interesting that curse is an anagram for cures. They found a way to stop God's cures with curses. Mm-hmm. So you all are walking around. And, yeah, but you know what? I mean, you, uh, and we're Christians. We can curse. You can be a Christian and curse. But, he, but God said blessing and cursing can't come out of the same vessel. So either you're not a Christian and that's why you're comfortable with cursing. Or either your vessel is so corrupt it can't produce anything but bitterness. Because a true offspring of the Godhead is like God. He who is of God does what God does, works the works of God, does the deeds of God. So that means Jesus, when Jesus cursed something, he meant for it to die. He meant to destroy it. He meant to kill it. Why are you cursing? Who are you trying to destroy? Who are you trying to kill with your words? Because that's what Satan does. He kills with words. What do you think the media is? They are the curse engine of this era. Their words are about killing and destroying lands and nations, corrupting, perverting, and distorting. That's why they can't tell you the truth. Because truth and curses are, are diametrically opposed to each other, and the truth is going to kill a curse. The truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And people like that, but how many times you heard people say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus is not, truth is not a thing until it became a being. Everything comes from a being. I need you to write that down. So when you think about it, why does Satan need all of this cursing? Because it empowers the demonic forces, the devils and the demons that he has released. God says force of them, that he's released to undo all that his maker did and all that his offspring accomplished. That is why you have to not only stop cursing, you have to start speaking what you want to happen. There's a reason why Paul said, cause those things that be not as though they not are. You want to kiss that? 
So God expects you to call what is not happening in our time and in our era as though they were, meaning as they were before something stopped them, before something altered them, something changed them. When you're sitting around trying to get a miracle and you're trying to break through, the one thing you don't, you want to do is clean up your mouth because all words attract spirits. The angels say, I come because of your work. Because something must take your sound and turn it into a work that produces a being who will produce a thing. That is the chain reaction. Come on. You want me to stop? Did you want to hit the bell? Yeah. What else did you want? Okay. All words attract spirits. They have to. Okay, so just expound on that. Absorb the, the power of your word. Because a lot of times we think like if we're by ourselves, if it's just us and our people, I'm on the phone, or if it's just maybe a text message or a message, then we're just sounding off and blowing off steam or doing whatever that, that isn't the same. Because, you know, we have to let it out somewhere. Yeah, you do have to let it out. That's why you let it out in prayer, and that's why you gave us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, so we can let it out in the Spirit. So that our words will not speak to the intelligence of the dark powers and the dark spirits that are here in the planet, carrying out the will of darkness and vetting us for righteousness. Jesus himself says in John 6:63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's important. But here's why it's important. He said their spirit, meaning their spirit is attached to the words. But just like that, we, I mean, because we see ourselves as, as just people just plopped on a planet, we don't realize that there is an entire infrastructure that created the world, and it's invisible, but it still works. Like, not every, that's why the devils, or I should say pagans need so many devils to get anything done. That's the power of the Holy Ghost, because God assigned all of those spirits particular things, attributes, abilities, powers, and potencies that they can use, both the light and the darkness. Now, because he did that, then they, they're built and their parameters, their boundaries and limitations or constrictions are defined by why they exist, just like us, except they predate us. And they're old. They're like ancient. They've been around forever. We are not going to be. So when you speak to them or when you speak, they, begin, they listen up because it's just like we, we like to talk about the two angels we have, but we got two devils. Because those spirits that, that bred that family tree are not trying to be put out. They're not trying to be separated from you. So that is it. And so the power of the cross is that God did something that, it, that we can still don't get, and that is he brought all things together in one in Christ. They were outside of him misbehaving. The angels were outside of him struggling, trying to make it. Humanity was outside of him. Creation was out of his orbit. And when you read some of these texts and you go into these words, it talks about us being out of the orbit of the Almighty. That is why we, we, we were in outer darkness. When Jesus talked about outer darkness, we, that's where outer darkness, they created darkness for Satan and his spirits, meaning they created a realm where God's light and power can't reach or won't come. 
and they can't and put a barrier up. So now let's talk about words. Words are sound. Science today has already proven not only that words are sound, but each one has a frequency. How you use words has a frequency, and literally it assembles a pattern for the sound that that spirit must go. That's why God said the angels hearken to the what? Thank you, prophet. You know, you don't let me down, girl. You be in that word. See, I'll be appreciating you. Doesn't she get in it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. But the angels hearken to the voice. I don't think you got what I just said. Voice is a sound, sounds of frequency. So they hearken through to the sound. What makes the frequency? Your faith, your desire, your emotional state, your will, your value system, all of that has a frequency. I mean, right now, we know doctors can put the We used to say, okay, you got the stuff to scroll on. They put it on your head now. They hear sound. They put it everywhere. Why? Because every part of you has a resonant frequency. Now, that's how they know saved and unsaved, because the frequency of the Holy Ghost is in the born-again Christian. You can hear that. Do you understand that? So that is why they have to convert Christians. They don't care about you doing what they do. They want your will surrendered to them, and they want your words to empower their work. You had a question. You lost. But Paul said, just, just one second, don't, don't, don't stop. Paul said, no sound is without significance. Study that word he uses there. That means, huh, has a significance. Oh, sign. Oh, because, but that goes all the way back to the Old Testament with Israel. Sign. Mm-hmm. That's the significance. It's a sound. What does that mean? Significance comes from the word sound. Sound is a sign, and sign is a signature, but it's also a signal. Are you all growing from this? So when when you start dealing with issues or handling a major issue, you've got to pray yourself up so that you fill your sphere with the signals that attract what your faith is pushing out to get. Your faith is literally a magnet. It's an attraction magnet. And so it draws the powers that are in the planet or the resources to make that happen. If you don't draw the powers, the resources don't come. So now, if if you're a cussing person, Christian, you're a cussing saint, if you are an angry saint, whatever it is, that is what's in your sphere, which is why some answer prayer and some prophecies take longer to come to pass because they are infected or infested. I'm going to have a sip of coffee, okay? Hi, social media. How y'all doing? Y'all all right? They flatlining. We're all out. Jesus did something that had never happened, even from Moses. That's why they keep talking about the different Moses brought into the planet the frequencies, the words, the powers of life. That's what those sacrifices were for, because shedding that blood, because your blood has a frequency. 
and the frequency of man's blood was was literally not only doomed, but it was the property of Satan. So human sacrifice gave Satan blood life. I said blood life. The life of, and the more innocent the blood, the more pure it is, the more potent it is. And this is not just me. If you just study blood, you know, uh, and I've been, you got it. When you say the blood is, is beyond anything, it has everything. It is like the blood is, has everything but the whole being. Everything about you is in that blood. And the, and the younger the blood, the less impurities in it. The less impurities means the more potency. Now, the potency is not for the humans. The humans must take it because they are, they are embodied by the demons. But the demons need the energy from the blood. You want a question before I keep going? No. <laughs> so, so, because remember, what did, what did God say to Cain? Your brother's blood is calling to me from the ground. That means it has frequency. It has resonance, but it also has something else, intelligence, that speaks to the invisible world. Your dandruff tells all about you. See, I got a hair, hair, some hair people in here. Y'all, your dandruff can tell all about your skin people, your perspiration, the oil on your face. Why? Because everything about us, when, we, when, when Job says we are in intricate unity, everything about us has, has identifiers. They may not be the same identifier, but they have the identifiers, and they have markers that even we don't see. So now we're going to get back to you cursing. Your words don't empower God. They, they de- your words depower the Holy Ghost acts and functions in your life. Why is it that we have all of these top CEOs and all of these top leaders all are literal cursing machines because they are cursing machines? Their job, and, and, and the devil has told them, if you don't do ugly, if you don't release your death in you, if you don't release the words of destruction and whatever, I'm not going to prosper you, and God is not with you. I'm all you got, so you're going to have to do things my way. So cursing and prayers, those are implications, but those are prayers that the death, the devil has. Now, why is that important? Because when they were cast out of God's world, he took his power back. They don't have power without humanity. Ah. That's why he was in the tree. Jesus. That is why. He, why are you in the tree? You could get out the tree. Why is he over there? They over there talking to him. To, uh, he was all uh, walking around the, not, talking about the tr- tree of the knowledge. You couldn't even can't tell him a thing about the wisdom of God because God stripped them. They don't have power. Their, their frequency is a frequency for death, and it only speaks to death because death only speaks to doom, and doom only speaks to death. They needed to get into Adam's bloodline. And it still took generations for them to get their seed 
or Adam's seed saturated with their mortality. So now, so they come down and, and, and you get the bullying. That's why you have got to know the word of God, but you've got to know God's word, not just as a literary uh, print, but you've got to know that you are the word of God. You've got to know how to overturn evil with good. You can't walk around and say, yeah, but you know they... You don't say that. When you are sovereign, you do not say so-and-so is better, stronger, whatever in you. You find out where their weaknesses are, right. and you go after them. That's right. But we don't. We listen to, because now this whole infrastructure, because the church has been absent and abdicating for so long, this infrastructure, we have to pierce it. That's why we have to now start piercing this darkness. We've got to oversee these things, and we've got to do them in prayer first. We've got to give power to the, we furloughed our own angels. We furloughed. they like, you know, you still got your slip. Yeah, my slip. I still got some. Mine still pink. And they want to help, but the, the laws are the laws. And the laws are based on, creation is based on faith. It is based on, obviously, words. But it is based on the solidarity of every entity. That's why he said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, I believe God's going to do it, though. I think God is not. Okay. They tell me I got a disease. I don't. They tell me, God will tell you all day long. You have no disease, but you know what you believe? Satan's machine. Right. You go to the... No, I'm not... Because, so you know, saints be lying. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a doctor if that's what you believe. <laughs> If your faith is only doctor faith, go with that. If your faith is only machine faith, go with that. But if you are representing the Godhead, you have got to figure out why in the world would God turn you over to his enemy. Because he talks about that. Look at when he turns you over to his enemy, when he drops your hedge. Why did he drop your hedge? You all right, Papa? You sure? Why does he do it? He said to me about, well, not too long ago, I was wrestling with something. He said, well, give me a reason why I would do that to you since you've pleased me all these years. Logos. Clarifies rhema. So you may get a rhema word because a lot of rhema words are based on this culture, the frequency and the resonance of this era. But the Logos is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm telling you, if your body is going to do what it does because it's under the law of sin and death. But God has given you power over all the power of the enemy, and he's given you power over your flesh. It is how you receive the normal course of events. We are there to overturn it. No, that's not happening. No. Mm-mm. And when we start as a body of Christ and we start coming together and we begin to legislate, I mean, we talk, you know, even when they talk about the, um, the court of heaven, are you kidding? Are you got to be kidding me? I am the court of heaven. My Bible says in John 151 as opposed to Genesis 28, in Genesis 28 we had Jacob's ladder and, every, and, and Jacob had to climb it. In John 151 the ladder becomes a being. Yeah. Oh, my. And the angels of God, 
He didn't say, I, I just have to read it. Because, you know, this is the, the Lord has been changing me. You, you let devil say, no, you're not, that's not going to happen. And you have to start living your life like you outrank them. And because they're living their life like they have usurped you. I'm telling you, because we think we, you think you have it. Well, and, and, and you, in these churches where they're telling you to be a good little boy and a good little girl so you can stay out of Satan's way. Well, we don't want to get the devil mad. First of all, the devil can't be unmanned. That's his, uh, that's his only emotion. He has no other. God took everything else. And whatever man produces, that's what he's got. And he said unto him, John 151, let me go back here so we can make sense to us. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, Whence knowest thou me? Or how do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now that's a powerful statement. Okay? So Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, do you believe? He said, You should see greater things than this. I'm getting ready to show you all. But I want you to hear this, because this is very important. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you will see Number one, heaven's open. Mm-hmm. Number two, and the angels of God ascending. Didn't say descending. It said ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Not the, not the Son of God. Mm-hmm. The Son of Man. We are all God's portals. We are all God's vessels. We just need training. We have to get into these sessions where we start having these dunamite sessions, these miracle sessions, because I'm telling you, God wants to do this. That, have that, Jacob needed a ladder. We only needed a Christ. Thank you, Lord. I, you know, and I talk to the angels. They'd be like, you know, if, if y'all would just. Every one of our homes should be a portal. It should be a, literally a God station for them. Every one of our homes, not something that they can't stand it because you're cussing up the song, you got your little cussing kids, your little cussing grannies and carrying on, you know, but we should be a God station. We welcome you. Make us a station for your work. That's how Melchizedek showed up in my kitchen because I'm a God station. I'm there for the agents of, I'm an agent of the Godhead, wherever they need, they can have, you can meet in my house, you can have whatever you want to do, and it's been that way since I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, at my worst days, and sometimes when you get really bad, the angels will will try to nudge it with your star, you know, that's not helpful, he said, ascending, meaning, listen, Meaning, why are they ascending? Why aren't they descending? The heavens just open. Why aren't you dropping down? Why are you rising up? Because they came with him. They came with him. And he's letting them know, we are here as heaven on earth. We have all the power we need, access to us. That Whatever I want them to do, they're going to go and get it from God, and they're going to bring it to the planet. The heaven is moving in. We are that. 
That is why he said, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. He tells you over and over again, you ask anything of me. You ask it in my name. He said, because we have shifted. The church is an embassy for the Almighty. The ecclesia is an embassy. It's an eternal embassy. It is all of heaven packaged in a portion that is established on earth. Y'all didn't test that, did you? So when you, that's why people come to, to I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this 100%. So I'm tell you, when they come to me, I'm like, oh, no. But see, you cannot, you cannot ignite, speak a word and then kill a word. Speak a word and kill a word. Speak it in, well, I don't know, God. Well, I'm not just sure. Well, God, uh-uh. And let me tell you, sometimes that devil is going to try you down to the mat. He's going to try you like you have never been tried. And I still got to get up and still got to do what God called me to do because I'm not in it for Satan's trial. I'm in it for God's trial. Is this all right to say, guys? Moving on. So what is your strong man? What is really going to take you out? What? Your emotions. Because your words spring from your emotions. Your emotions literally package your sentiments. What you feel comes from what you want. I don't care what the devil says. What you feel comes from what you want. Because anytime you want to feel differently, you do. You can have the most horrible tragedy. And I kid you not. You can have the most horrible tragedy ever in your life. Y'all know it's true. I'm never going to blah, blah, blah. Somebody comes in and says, guess what? You just got an inheritance. Now you now are the owner of a $5 million mansion. You've got a $2 million what do you call it, will of income, you've got this, you've got that. Oh, and by the way, business comes with it. You will still feel bad, but guess what? You will change your emotions because it will motion you. It will move you because if you want to understand emotions, you have to just kind of think of it as e-movement, e-movement. So you can alter your emotions if you want, but if you are looking for people to feel sorry for you all the time, your emotions are always going to see to it that you are pitiful. And you are pitiable. You love sympathy. You will always be pitiable. If you want to be right all the time, you're going to always be argumentative. You're going to fight. You're going to fuss. You want to be. You want to be off the hook all the time. You're going to always feel. Look for reasons to get off the hook. Your your faith will go out and bring back reasons for you not to be able to do what you are called to do or what God needs. Your faith, because your faith goes out. We think your faith just goes out for good. No, no, no. Faith goes. Faith is a really very neutral utility. That's why everybody has it. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And everybody can do what they want to do with it. Sure. You think it's it's use. It, it is neutral, and it is a utility that goes out. It's very dynamic. And when you go and look up all the words for it, it's a contract. It's a covenant. It's an instrument. It's a tool. It's an implement. And we can go on and on and on and on and on. So you are where you are because it's where you want to be. Somebody's going to hear what I just said. You want that. You want to have friends, then you're friendly. You want to rule friends, then you are a bully. And you choose friends that won't push back on you. Oh, come on, Jack. Come on. 
You want to be on top. You want to control people's emotions. Then you're either very persuasive, or you're very cruel. You either do it by persuasion or fear. But you're you are what you want. You know, we like to say you are what you eat. You are what you want. What you ultimately want in this life. So here's something you might appreciate. This is our last one. I think I'm doing really well. Are y'all okay? Did you ask your question? Because you're free, you're free to answer the question. You don't want to ask it? Oh, oh answer it? Okay. She said hit the bell. If you can't do anything else, <laughs> hit the bell. I want you to think differently because you have to recognize you are what you want. You, have, you want people to leave you alone, you will emit a repulsion. What you emit will repel people. They'll say, you know, I'm just never comfortable in this presence. You know, I mean, when I see them coming, I just want to turn around because you actually fundamentally want to be left alone. And you want to use people when you need them on your terms. So you emit this thing that says, make people very short with you. Yes, no, I don't have it, I can't. Now, on the other hand, if you want people to really like you and you really want to be a benefit to people, you emit that. There's like this, this benevolent welcome that comes from your soul. People don't get on your nerves. You want to help. You want to you go above and beyond. I mean, all of that. And, and, and people, they don't even know why. Like this, I don't even know why, but I'm just drawn to you because I'm drawing you. And the Bible says that love draws. God drew Israel with the cords or the bonds of love. When you when you can when you want to use people, people know it, and so they give you what you are seeking from them. But you never get their best, and you'll never get full access ever. So if you don't win their heart, their treasure is out of your reach. Oh, you have a question now. You said you didn't have one. But that was a minute ago. That was true a minute ago. Okay. Can somebody be, like what you just said, somebody who uses people for me, but they are really not doing it maliciously? Like they don't realize that's what they're doing? Or is it all just. Absolutely. And when I say that, let me just say this your heart will, your heart tells you the truth. For out of the abundance of the heart comes. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings out good things. A good person out of the evil treasures of their heart bring out evil things. So in the fullest extent, yes, but people blind themselves to their intent. They, they, you know, and they'll tell you, they start with, I didn't mean. But they didn't stop to consider and there is a, and when we do this again, there is a whole thing, stop and consider. But let's just look at this um, for starters. That is a great question. Thank you for asking it. Okay, so how do we fix it? How do we start? Well, in Psalm 19, it gives you the most amazing um, information on how to heal your soul, the soul the way the maker made it. And it says here, the law of the Lord is perfect, Converting the soul. Step one, 
convert. We taught all this teaching about the law of God being abolished, that it is illegal, that it is legalistic, and people are unconverted. And not only are they unconverted, they don't know what's wrong. And that's where your, your question is more, are they aware of what they have mandated their emotions and sentiments and desires to do? Because it's a mandate. And you don't believe it. You think about how many things happen to you when God brings you, turn the light on, you step back, and you know what you say? Man, I've been saying that since I was a kid. When I've been thinking that, when I was 12, I wanted, and all that. Because God, it's God that makes the connection. Because what we think, we think a connection is this. God's connection can go, woo, woo, boom. And you're like, really? And you'll tell them, well, Lord, that can't be because that didn't bother me. And that didn't bother me. And that didn't bother you. Your, your emotional utilities don't bother you because you're utilizing for a purpose. You gone? Are you still here? No. So they don't bother you. You're, they don't bother you at all. So you're okay with with this popping up or that popping up because you can see a use for it. Whether that use is self-preservation, survival, thrival, prosperity, healing, it doesn't matter. And the use doesn't have to be wicked. And I think that's your question. Your question is whether we, whether we can differentiate between the motive and the emotional utility. Like people... You know what I mean, I mean in, in today's time, one of the most popular things to use as a utility is sex. Right. Mm. Sex is a utility for a lot of people. It's an emotional utility. It gives them the one-upsmen on another person. It reinforces their, their sagging, dragging uh, self-esteem. It gives them power over another. So that's a major utility, and we don't... Think about it. So what do we do? If it's a utility, then what, what do we do? We decriminalize it. We de-vilify it. And we naturalize it to make it so that, hey, that's just life. That's just who I am. Some people, like if we look at now, um, cruelty. Cruelty, those are emotional utilities because they answer, feed, or resolve something that you're desire machine, your want machine, your need machine has already been sending signals out. I can't sleep. I mean, you think about how many people who do horrible things. What do they say? I dreamed about it. I saw myself doing it. I imagined it. So until, they, until their faith in that magnetized all of the elements to form this utility for them to implement. Does that make sense? All right. Now, this is as the maker made it. I don't know what Buddha does. I can't tell you about Buddha and the soul. I can't tell you about Brahma and the soul. Cannot tell you about the Hindu. Don't know about the Shaolin. I don't know about them and the soul. I'm talking about as the maker made it because we are made in his image and according to his likeness. All right. So, so listen to this. The, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his error? Cleanse me from secret faults. That's what's taking you out. Secret faults. Flawed in your desire, want, need system. Weeds and tears among the weak that makes you Christ's possession, Christ's field. So let's look at some of the things that it, that it emphasizes. Number one, law. Just, just, just hit the down thing. Law. Number two, converting. Number three, testimony. Number four, wise you up. We are simple because we lack the wisdom because we don't know the law, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Next is heart, after that, commandment, then enlightenment. And then the thing we were talked out of, fear don't mean fear. Fear the Lord doesn't mean fear. Yeah, now you don't feel him, and now you feel everything but him. Judgment, true, righteous, (coughs) servant, warm. Understand, all of these are about your errors, your soul errors. And every one of them hides as a secret fault. Does that speak to any of you here? So the step one, the last part is a fault. That's what God calls it. So the step one of the whole thing is that the law of the Lord. Now, we think law of the Lord, we think Ten Commandments. And God, it, that's why we stuck. Because sure. the Ten Commandments are no more. First of all, the Ten Commandments were never done away with. Right. But God has a law of love. He has a law of life. He has a law of righteousness. Do your homework and look at all of the laws that he has mm-hmm. beyond the Ten Commandments. The law of truth was in his mouth. You see? And so because we have truly violated God's law, and we have totally, I want to say, marginalized it to the Ten Commandments, which all of the amazing part is that the man came up with ten sayings to cover all of his law, his entire government, governmental system, judicial system, constitution, military, you name it, society. You, he, he kept with ten ways to just tell us, if you do these ten things, you've covered everything that I am and I like. And, you know, we said, uh-uh. What do you mean have no other God before you? I mean, God, I mean, you got people writing that God has an ego trip. You can't keep your ego alive, and you're going to talk about his is tripping. It's <laughs> the truth. You changed your ego from teen to adolescent, from adolescent to adulthood, from adulthood to your senior citizen. Yes, you can't even keep your ego the same. And it is traumatized by what happens to you. Yeah. It's easy to change your ego, give you, you know, a ten traumas, and you're not the same person. And he said, but I'm the Lord. I change not. 
What do you mean not have another God before you? What do you mean honor the Sabbath? I don't need a Sabbath. I've got everything. You don't need a Sabbath at 20 and 30, but baby, by the time you get to 60, you want seven of them in a week. In a week. <laughs> in a week. <laughs> you want, baby, you want seven of them things in a week. By the time you get to your 80s, all you know is Sabbath. <laughs> Hopefully you're not in a wheelchair wired up to something to keep you going because you ignored all those Sabbaths. Because you didn't need a Sabbath. Your vision may not have needed the Sabbath. Your ideas may not have needed the Sabbath. Your hope and faith in, but your body did. Your body needed some Sabbath. Okay? Keep it holy. What do you mean holy? If I'm not working and if I'm on a Sabbath, what does holiness have to do with me being home resting in God? Isn't that a thought? I'm home. I'm in my jammies. I'm, you know, playing my music, watching something on Facebook, whatever. What is he talking about? Don't give your downtime to a devil. Bring it on home. Come on now. That's what he's saying. There's no, and there's no such thing in God as you being off duty for, from the Lord. Your, your downtime is supposed to be God time. God's time. And you have to be careful of the God you choose. I got a Sabbath and I'm on the golf team. Okay. All right. I got a Sabbath and I'm in the mall. I've got a Sabbath and I'm playing sports. I'm at a game. And so, you know, God proved that we could do a Sabbath. He made his point. Because we had seven of them in a week. And we did nothing but whine. But we could not entertain ourselves. We were forced to seek him. (laughs) I'm just saying. So when you think about it, and he's talking about, you know, Honor the Lord your God with, uh, 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 on your, what? I honor God. No, you don't. Because you keep asking him to let you off the hook for what you promised. To complete your vow. And please, God, be okay that I'm replacing you today. That's honeyman. All you want those Christians to say, all you want to do is talk about the Lord and talk about Jesus. You mean all you want to do is talk about the world and talk about sin? See, we have been so cowarded, we don't realize they just flipped us. They flipped us. Instead of, thou shalt have no other God before me, they flipped it. Have any old God you want, just don't have me. Honor the Sabbath is like flip. Enjoy your Sabbath. And all of the other ones. I mean, I just absolutely love all of the ten because God's like, if you could do those ten, which you can't, life happens, crises happens, everything, you could be well-intentioned. Kid gets sick, got to go out, do whatever. Um, and like God said, like Jesus said, he said, well, which one of y'all, when you have an animal, that falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, going to leave them there until the next day. Right. But I should leave these people sick mm. and diseased. Uh, uh, you don't know how to. Yeah. 
So the law of the Lord, we're going to deal with that in some future broadcasts. We actually go into digging out the law of the Lord. What are the laws? Because God's got a lot of them. And you're going to find out the one major thing about the law you should know is that the law comes from and is paired with prophets, not just prediction. See, these prophets are not interested in the law of God because they're not real prophets. They're prophesiers because prophesiers are locked in on predictions. They're locked in on futurism. They're not locked in on office execution because the office alters you. The office transforms you, just like when you go from one office to another. You're like, but I always did it like this. And your boss said, don't move my desk. Don't put that little picture on my desk. Don't they tell you? Don't put that. No, 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 no. It's not church. Put your little Bible in your purse. They Half of them don't even want it on a print. They scared that the Bible going to get them from the purse. <laughs> They scared of your Bible in your purse. So, and you know they scared of the Bible in you. So you think you know. Well, I had a great time. Did you want to say any clues? No. Did you all enjoy? Uh-huh. Thank you, Holy God. We had a great time, and we're going to end it. If you enjoyed this, share, 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 and then go share some more. And then after that, go and find some more people to share it with because that people want to be free. One of the reasons I do this, and I'll keep saying this, is because God has sent me to teach you how to think differently so that you can live powerfully. Well, you can't have power without thought. So thinking differently enables you to live powerfully. There are people asking questions. At this time in our lives, at this period in our existence as a nation, as a planet, as a generation, we have questions. And these questions are probing questions, but they're plaguing us. All of a sudden, we're not as comfortable with how we looked at things and how we handled things and how we appreciated God. The prosperous nations are feeling a little bit of a pinch now because they went taking a prosperity message to a nation that could not achieve or attain that level of prosperity. We did not take them power. But now it's a different day, and people want God to answer questions. They need to understand his mind. How often have you heard, what is the Lord doing? What does God have to say about this? And what he has to say about that? Let me give you a quick word. What God has to say about this is what he's been saying all along that we weren't hearing. God's not changing his set, but he is sure forcing us to change our ways. God bless you. You can sow a seed. I'm sure that you got free and delivered. You can sow a seed. is on the screen. And until then, love you much. I'm asking God to bless your home. I'm asking God to send favor and grace with you. I'm asking God to give you peace above all things and to bless your household, bless your family, and to give you revelation knowledge, enlightenment, and to let you know how the things that I've said today fit your life, your world, and your home. Share this. Sit down with your family and go through this. And it could well be that if we pass on what we're learning to the next generation, all of our lessons learned, it could well be that they can keep this thing that the Lord is recovering for us. 
in Jesus' name. God bless you. See you at the congregation of the mighty on Sunday where God stands.